the to a ratio. Okay, though. The to a ratio. Okay, though. So you are definitely part of rap history and being part of Back on the Block, the Quincy Jones album. What did you learn being around Quincy? Because he's a true musical genius. This was the first time that someone actually, the producer actually sat there and said, no, I want you to do this. No, I want you to do that. And once we finished, you know, Quincy was like, you know what? That fast rapping style that you do, it reminds, because that's, that's when he told me the story about Ella Fitzgerald and how she did it and what made her different than any, anybody else that, you know, did, did it. And he was like, you mind saying that rhyme for her? And I'm like, nah. So he called Ella Fitzgerald at home. Wow. You know, she's probably in her 90s or something like that, you know, and he called her and said, hey, honey, we just finished on this song such and such. I want you to hear something. He hands me the phone and just says, just say it. So I said the rhyme, you know, such and such, you know, and she didn't say nothing. So I was like, what you think? She said, huh? I don't think she heard anything. (laughs) But regardless of the fact, I got to spit on the phone for Ella Fitzgerald. So it is what it is. Big Daddy Kane is one of the greatest MCs of all time. The smooth operator. I have never interviewed him before, and there were so many things I wanted to talk to him about, from his rhyming to getting attacked when the Juice Crew, his crew, got attacked by KRS-One and Boogie Down Productions, changing the history of hip hop, to his moment in Madonna's sex book, which was kind of, yeah, we're gonna get into that too. We recorded this a minute ago before. His homeboy, his brother in the Juice Crew, Biz Marquee, passed away. So we talk about Biz, but we don't talk about Biz in the past tense because he was still with us when we recorded this interview. Let's go for half of the interview. Stay right here for the full thing. Subscribe at patreon.com slash show for just $5 a month. You can get the full edition of our Wednesday episodes plus our Friday Patreon exclusives. And you can help support our growing show, patreon.com slash show. Let's go. It's Big Daddy Kane, the smooth operator on Torre Show. love about hip-hop you've spent your life in this culture making this music being a huge part of the culture what do you love about hip-hop i guess what i really love about hip-hop is the the way um it makes you feel like the way it can touch your soul i mean um you know i mean there's been so many beautiful soul records um blues songs country songs that, you know, can reach you, you know, in a spiritual way. But I think that hip-hop just really gravitates to um, what Black youth really grew up, you know, being witness to and, and living, you know? I mean, it really touches, you know, in a, in, in a different kind of way, 
you know, it, it just really hit different, you know? When you were, um, when you were a teenager, like first coming up, like what was, what was your favorite kind of music? Like before you were making music? Um, well, you know, um, when you was a little, you know, a little kid, you listen to what your parents play. Right. So, um, you know, I'm hearing, uh, Marvin Gaye, Isley Brothers, uh, Teddy Pendergrass, Barry White, you know, things of that nature. Um, yeah, cool in the gang, you know? I mean, I can see a parallel between Teddy Pendergrass, Marvin Gaye, and yourself in terms of the way that you presented yourself, the way that they presented themselves. Do you, do you see a parallel there? Um, I can definitely agree with the Marvin. Um, you know, one night back in 87, when I only had a single out, I hooked up with Dougie Fresh and we hung out and he played some videos for me of Earth, Wind and Fire, Michael Jackson and Pink Floyd and was explaining how everybody else in hip hop right now are learning from Run DMC and Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five because those were, you know, the predecessors. And um, but he was basically saying that what he does is he studied these um, pop icons because nobody in hip hop has done what they've done yet. So I was like, wow, interesting. So the next day I went out and bought um, Marvin Gaye, Barry White and James Brown um, VHSs. And I really studied them and tried to incorporate a lot of their elements into my stage show. Well, what did you, I mean, can you talk about what elements from them that you, you really grabbed on and, and used? Yeah. I mean, you know, Marvin just had a certain swagger on stage, you know, okay. he just had a certain coolness and he just moved gracefully, you know, like normally, you know, you see a hip hop dude, you know, it's, you know, that's, that's, that's the energy. That's, that's what we do. You know, but I tried to have that, you know, that Marvin swagger, that graceness, you know, just let it flow. You know, um, that's something that I really picked up for him. And then performance through smooth operator, I complete, completely stole this. Let's get it on move. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. You I know. mean, the, the, the depth and quality of your voice, it really overpowers the records. You know, as soon as you start talking, you're completely focused on that cane sound. Um, which reminds me of, of Barry White and how you just love, you could listen to both you guys, just listen to you read the phone book. Oh, uh, well, I mean, I was, I was, I was tuned into Barry's style before my voice changed. My voice didn't really change until I think I was 20. Um, cause my voice was a lot higher. If you listen to the first album, um, I think it changed like right after the release of the second album. That's when my voice like really started changing. Um, but um, with Barry, you know, he was just cool, you know, and he had a certain way of, you know, connecting with people in the crowd. It could be just one little small thing, you know, just pointing to them or just saying something to them. You know, he could have, you know, um, like, you know, he could have been singing the regular words of the song right there, right there. And then pointing to someone in the crowd. Hey there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like stuff like that, you know, just where, you know, you got, now you got them involved, you know? Were there things that you took from them that you brought to the records, like just in the studio and in the writing? Um, well, writing wise, I mean, uh, I was really like a student of Grandmaster Kaz from the Cold Crush Brothers. 
and um, Smokey Robinson, you know, um, um, I, I like listening to the pioneers from the late seventies. Well, I mean, you know, they, they early said, I mean, when I heard them, it was late seventies when I heard them, you know, um, like the Kumo D Grandmaster Kaz, Melly Mel, you know, listening to those guys, it was like, you know, they were like the top three and, um, Kaz just had this certain swagger, just remind you of that, that, that Brooklyn barbershop talk, yeah. pool hall talk, you know, slick talk and stuff. And, and I just really admired dude. So I learned a lot from listening to Kaz. And as far as um, putting words together and clever thinking, I learned a lot from Smokey Robinson and Chris Christopherson. I think Chris Christopherson. Like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I liked I liked him in the seventies. I mean, now your I mean your pen was more complex than anybody before you. Like you were in an era of like you and Rakim who like, you know, and Cool G Rap who advanced the level of complexity to a level that we had not seen before. Um, what were you trying to do as a writer? Cause you're, you know, you're just bringing in a whole different level of sonic complexity than we had ever had. I mean, honestly, just introduce the world to me, you know, <laughs> like for real, really just introduce the world to me, just open my mind, um, you know, to them, you know, uh, you know, I grew up as a fan of hip hop, um, you know, since probably like 75, you know, when Cats was at the age of one, my life begun, you know, those type of rhymes, you know, and to see what it became, um, thanks to Melly Mel, where brothers started really start, they started using their own voice and the, you know, the, like lyrical content really, you know, stepped it up. You know, I mean, just just seeing that, I mean, it was like just monumental to me. So, I mean, I felt like I wanted to, um, you know, really bring those type of dynamics to the game, you know, and, uh, you know, just, you know, just 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 really open my mind, my mind up to people so they can see the way I think, you know. Were you a big reader as a kid? Is that I mean, like because you had the the vocab and the the way of putting it together in a complex way and. um like like yeah were you a big reader or yeah i was i was i, I definitely was um uh but on you know also um in school you know i, I was um at at the time i was you know real good in english as well so um you know there, there was just something that i thought was just important and especially like you know when when you're at a park jam and you you know um like I don't, I don't uh, like you know in Brooklyn, back in the seventies, you know you see them they they throw on Love Is the Message or they throw on Bra, and you see the mic line form and cats getting the mic line to rhyme and everybody get up there and you see they cuffing the mic and they you know like good and you can't really hear them you know because they cuffing the mic like this you know and you know a lot of cats you know like you know the, you know the weed smokers and the forty ounce drinkers you know they they, they you know they might be a tad bit slurred. So you can't really understand them. So that was something that was very important to me because, you know, just watching like um, R&B vocalists, it was like clarity was just, you know, so I've really, really, that meant something to me. I felt like that was so important, you know. And then also, you know, Marvin Gaye had a habit of holding the mic down here, 
he never really had it up here. His mic would be down here, you know. So that was just something that was just real important to me through my career. You were you were you big on going to the parks and and rhyming in the parks because in that seventies era before it was on wax. It was all park jams and, mm-hmm. you know, some rec centers, but it was that, it was that you talking about like DJs, you know, put on them, you know, pull out a mic, get in line. And, you know, anybody, anybody who had enough respect of the DJ could get on the mic. So was that, that was, that was you, you were, you were going to different parks and rhyming? Absolutely. I mean, for me, I didn't start rapping until 82. So um, that's when I started again. The seventies, I was just going like you know. Anytime I hear the name Master D or um, Vaughn K, you know I'm 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 gone. You know, or um, Mike Music, I'm gone. You know. But in '82, uh, when I started rapping, I started off as a battle rapper. So I was going to park jams and block parties to battle whoever was the most popular rapper in that neighborhood. I would go there to battle him. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. 
I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth I. Elizabeth I, the podcast, wherever you listen. How did you develop as an MC? Like, what, what were you doing at home to get ready to be a battle rapper? <laughs> well, uh, my older cousin, Murdoch, which is the same person that used to take me to all the park jams in the 70s, he decided he wanted to rap. So because he was my older cousin, I looked up to him. 82, I said, well, I want to rap too. So I started writing rhymes for myself and asked him, could I get down with his crew? And he told me I wasn't old enough. How old so were I, you? So I figured, huh? How old were you then? 82. I don't know, maybe like 13, something like that. Okay. Um, so I figured that if I started writing battle rhymes and I could beat the other two dudes in his crew, he would put me down. So I just started writing, you know, battle diss rhymes. And um, I battled both the guys in his crew and... You know, it was like, yo, I beat such and such and such and such. You know, can I be down now? And he was like, man, you know, I ain't thinking about that shit no more. I'm playing football in school now. You know, so <laughs> he, wasn't, he, didn't, he, he wasn't even focused on rap no more. But I mean, it was the type of thing where people in the neighborhood were saying I was good at it. So I just stayed with it. I just stayed with it and kept writing and kept writing battle rhymes and kept going to different, um, you know, projects in Brooklyn, battling different rappers. I mean, a lot of people were were good or committed in that era and didn't make it to putting records on wax, didn't make it to the studio and the label level. So how did you cross over from, okay, like I got a little rep in the street, you know, I'm, 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 I'm comfortable here, I'm popular here, but then to make it over to like, I'm going to a studio, you know, I'm, I'm signed, like, you know, I'm a real professional MC. Um, that would be when I met Biz Marquis. Uh, I had a friend that lived in Long Island who was, you know, also friends with Biz. And he used to always come around telling me, yo, my man Biz Marquis D did this. Yo, my man Biz Marquis D said that. Always tell me about Biz. Then one day um, I was at my grandmother's house and he came, which was across the street from the Albee Square Mall. And he mm -hmm. came and told me, yo, Biz Marquis D in the mall he was just beatboxing for me. He can beatbox too. He was doing the beat from numbers and da, da, da. I'm like, he over there right now? So we went to the mall. I asked Biz to battle. We battled. After the battle, Biz was like, yo, you dope, man. You Who need won? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> After the battle, um, he um he uh he he said, Yo, you dope, you should get down with me, man. I be doing shows and um, Manhattan, Bronx, Long Island. And if you get down with me, I promise you, I'm going to get you a record deal one day. Wow. And he kept his word. That's 82? No, no, no. This is 84. Okay. This is 84. Um, and, um, you know, he once he got on with the Juice Crew, he came back, recruited me to, um, to, to write most of his album for him. And um, once we did that, you know, he got me established as my own solo artist, as being my own solo artist. It's interesting. I mean, I, I always love Biz Marquis and his records, but he's funny. Yeah. And I mean, he's a serious, I mean, he's a real MC, but he's funny. Mm -hmm. And you're serious as a heart attack. So it's interesting, the, the, the connection between the two of you. 
Well, Biz always knew what he wanted. You know, uh, Biz, you know, he'll come and be like, yo, I'm going to use the slogan from um, Nobody Beats the Wiz, but I'm going to say Nobody Beats the Biz. Right. I need the flow to be like, a zooka, 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 You know, right. he already knew what he wanted. You know, right. he'd be like, yo, I want to do a song called Pickin' Boogers. Um, <laughs> like, what you, what you want me to say? I don't know, tell some stories about Pickin' Boogers, but somewhere in there, I just want you to put, hey, ma, what's for dinner? Go up your nose and pick a winner. <laughs> you know, he, he, he knew what he wanted, you know? He knew what he wanted. So I just really had to just, you know, uh, put it in rap form and make it funny, you know? So you're learning how to be a writer. Um, but I mean, like, talk to me more about how you wrote, um, you know, and what you were thinking about as you were writing. Because, you, like, you know, like we said, you're, you're one of the great writers of all time. Your style was, you know, beyond almost everybody who was doing it. At that time, so I mean, like, what you know, what were you thinking about as you're as you're putting pen to paper? Um, well, you know, it it, it differs, brother. It, it, it you know, it differs. I mean, um, you know, it depends on you know what direction we're going. You know, um, it, you know, um, a lot of cases it's like showcasing my lyrical skill. So even though it's a song, you know, um. Even though I'm recording a song, I might still be in battle mode where I got to say the hottest stuff I can think of. And then there's some cases where it's like, you know, there's there's, there's stuff going on in the neighborhood or in the world that just really bother me. And I got to express my view. You know, I have to say what I feel about it. And, you know, I try to get that across in a way where I'm telling my story, but also I might possibly be telling yours as well. So, mm-hmm. you know? so not only do you feel my pain, I want you to know I feel yours as well. You know, were you quick with coming up with the with your songs, or did it take you a little time? Were you like one to like scratch out words, and I'm really searching for the right combination of words here? Or you kind of like it just kind of flowed easily. It depends. You know, sometimes it's real quick. It's sometimes it's real quick. It's real easy. Sometimes. You know, uh, I might be halfway through and I'm like, this is not it. Nah. And I have to, you know, walk away, you know, and, um, you know, just catch another vibe, you know, um, you know, I don't know, go, go see something relating to the situation or whatever the case may be and start back over, you know, but it differs. I mean, your, your, your verses were of course legendary, but you're also really good at coming up with great hooks, you know, ain't no half stepping. And I don't think so. What do you mean? What do you, I mean, like the smooth operator. I mean, like some of these things, like, you know, ain't no half stepping became part of the language that, you know, like we just continue to stay for years and years oh. after that. And you know, I didn't come up with that hook. That's heat wave. Okay. <laughs> you know, but yeah, you, had great, you had great hooks all the time. What do you, what do you mean? You don't think so? No, nah, I mean, I mean, I honestly, I always felt like that was one of my weaknesses um, when it came to creating hooks. Like, um, I, I don't have that that skill, like, say, um, Tretch from Naughty by Nature. I think Naughty by Nature had they probably they probably have the greatest hooks um, of any other hip hop artist ever. You know, Naughty just did his hook masters. 
You know, I wish I'd have known those cats in um, 87, <laughs> 88, you know, because they're just incredible when it comes to making hooks. I mean, you know, I don't really think that that's really one of my strong points. You know, sometimes I'll be on other times I'm off, you know. Okay. So what do you think is your strength as an MC? What is lyrics. the. Just lyrics, writing lyrics. Verses. Yeah. That's something that, you know, I can, you know, I can do, you know, um, you know, in my sleep, man, um, because um, the way my mind thinks. Cause I'm always all over the place. Um, so therefore I can put something together that'd be incredible for me. I can put something together that'd be incredible for you. You know, um, you know, I mean, if I listen to, to, to your style, you know, I can come up with something in your style, you know I mean? You know, so, I mean, yeah, that's my thing. I mean, your lyrics are, 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 you know, top rate, but sometimes it's just the way that you spit the words, the rhythm in between the beat that makes it so fly. Um, and so I wonder just about developing that sense of rhythm within the beat that can make almost a- average words sound fly as hell just because of the way you dropped them in between the beat or on the beat or, or behind the beat or whatever, whatever you were choosing. I mean, that's, I think that's just a Brooklyn thing, man, for real. I mean, I, I think that, you know, uh, I think Brooklyn MCs just know how to em- embrace a beat like no other. Like they, 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 they get on some real Ella Fitzgerald type of thing and they just mm. fall into it like an instrument, you know? Um, I mean, you look at Fabulous, Jay-Z, Biggie. And you could even go prior to me. You look at Ecstasy from Houdini, rest in peace. Um, you look at Disco Richie from Divine Sounds, even Jimmy Spicer, when everybody else, you know, in you know, in the early years was everybody was all like, you know, oh, come on, to the blade. You know, Jimmy Spicer, he was doing that too, but he still break away with some this DJ, he gets down mixing records while he go around. You know, that's that Brooklyn thing, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, just the thing we just become an instrument, you know, on, on the track. Yeah, that's the, one of the things that I love about MCing is when you become that instrument within the track. You're a drum within the track. And sometimes my first or second time through listening to an MC's record, you're not really getting all the words, but you're hearing the rhythmic relationship to the track and the way you are percussive within the track. And that, will like draw you in to where I'm like, okay, I want to learn and listen to all these words because the way that he's spitting it is so dope. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that I actually learned a little later, um, exactly how to make it, make it work. I mean, it's something that came natural, but I learned how to really control it. Um, um, in the early nineties, um, after, um, working with Quincy Jones, you know, um, like when he was telling me like a lot of jazz vocalists um, would fall into the track and follow the piano. And he was saying how Ella Fitzgerald, like with her, she used to try to, um, her scatting thing, she would try to like do it like a horn. Like she was like, her right. movement was like a horn section, you know? Right. So I was like, hmm. So, I mean, that's something that, you know, like when I'm writing, if I want to change up the flow, I might, you know, hum it out in a horn fashion before I put it in words, you know? 
It's interesting you're saying you think of yourself as a horn within it, because I always see y'all, I mean, a great MC like you, as 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 a drum within it, you know, like even like an African djembe on top of a, a you know, another drum. Uh, like it it seems very percussive. And a horn can be percussive, but you you especially feel to me like a drum within the track. Hey, that's cool, baby. I mean, I'll take that too, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure you've been asked this before, but I want to know your top five MC. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market. Dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. These, who are the people who you most like listening to and and listen to and you're like, damn, like he really put it down? Okay. So you mean um, five people, not including myself. Um, uh, G-Rap. Cool G-Rap. Nas. Uh, Rakim, KRS, Biggie. Rakim and you were at the same time. I know that he looked at you as something of a rival, even though I know he felt like I'm better than everybody, but he was like, Kane, I'm checking for him. I'm listening to his records and like, like, what's he doing um, did you look at him as sort of a rival? Like, okay, that guy's that guy's doing some, you know, that guy's making some hot shit. Let me listen to him, see what he's doing, and innovate. Um. Hmm. Uh. <laughs> I wouldn't really say as a rival. I I I I guess I looked at Rakim more as you know as a as a as a great MC. I just yeah. saw him as a, you know, as an incredible MC. Um, I would, I mean, I, I would look, I, I think back then I looked at Karis one more as a rival. Okay. Because, um, 
you know, I, didn't, I never really considered Rakim to be a battle rapper. You know, he's a great lyricist, but I never considered him to be a battle rapper. Karis One, on the other hand, is a great battle rapper and a great performer. Hell yeah. You Hell know, yeah. so, I mean, it's like, you know, uh, the things that I'm known for, you know, I'm known for being a lyricist. I'm known for being a battle rapper. I'm known for being a great performer. Um, KRS, you know, has all those same things. Yeah. So he was the one who I really kind of looked at as like, you know, um, that, that, that rival. It's just that we was cool. We was like real close friends. We was real cool with each other. Well, let me, I want to ask you something about KRS, but, but, but first, just to lead into that, you were part of the Juice Crew. And, and uh, you know, Marley Ball and, and, and MC Shan and you know, Roxanne Chante. And in that, what, 86, 87, 88 period, y'all were the kings and queen of New York. It was all about the Juice Crew. Y'all were the shit. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just first off, how did it feel being part of this crew that is just dominant in this uh, in, you know, in New York at that period, you know, that, that you must've felt like, you know, we're, we're on a greatest team that ever existed in this whole, in this whole culture. I mean, it was amazing. Cause I mean, uh, when they didn't know who I was and I would come around for like studio session, uh, with Biz and Shantae or when Biz was doing a show with Shantae, it was like Shantae was like, hot as fish grease you know yes. she was just doing her thing man so i'm yes. like you know and and then um the first time i was in the studio to find out that she don't write rhymes she just go off the top of the head i'm like so roxanne roxanne queen of rocks all these damn songs is just off the top of her head and business like yeah i'm like wow i you know i was just fascinated so i you know i was like amazed by that and then um whenever i used to battle at um uh, park jams during that time period, I always used to rhyme off the bridge, MC uh-huh. Shan song. Uh-huh. That's what I was always rhyming off of. So uh-huh. to actually meet dude, you know, I was like, wow. And then now we, I'm in the same crew with them. And then when I get down, um, here's this new dude that they're putting out that's a lyrical beast, which is Cool G Rap. Mm-hmm. Like he's just coming out like the same time I'm getting down with biz, you know? So, and I'm like, Oh, and I'm gonna have this dude on my side too. Oh, it's over. You know? I mean, and, it was and, that and type have, of feeling. And, and to have Marley Maul in your corner at that time. I mean, he was the architect of the sound of that time to have him in the center of the juice crew. Um, I mean, that was incredible. Well, I mean, you know, it was like at that point in time, Marley Marl was the hottest producer in hip hop and Mr. Magic controlled the airwaves. So it was like, wait a minute, (laughs) we get the hot sound and we got guaranteed radio play. Oh, man. You know, yeah, it was amazing. I mean, when you drove around the city at that time. It must have been like, you know, like everybody who knew anything about rap, because we call it rap mainly back then. Mm-hmm. Anybody who knew anything about rap would be like, oh my God, you know, Big Daddy Kane, Juice Crew, you guys are the freaking killers. No, I mean, it, it, it was beautiful. I mean, and we, 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 we got a lot of love. And I, I really had um, 
a real pure experience of it when we did um, Juice Crew at the Apollo. Fly Tide right. put together, um, I believe it was like four shows at the Apollo, and like all of them sold out like that. And I mean, the crowd went crazy, and Ty had production for all of us where, you know, with me coming out the ceiling and um, uh, girls dropping rose petals and stuff. And then Biz had a big, gigantic nose where Boogers is falling out, and then he just <laughs> dropped out of one of the nostrils. Um, MC Shan used the band. I mean, it, it, it was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Okay, so you guys are the Goliath of hip-hop, the biggest, baddest crew in rap at that time. And then this guy out of nowhere, out of the Bronx, who nobody in rap culture had ever heard of, KRS-One, what the fuck does that even mean, makes a crazy diss record, the Bronx, mm-hmm. right? That like is a just dope record. What was that moment for you and the Juice Crew when that, because that record like hit the culture like a bomb, um, you know, and it's like, like, you know, like David throwing a rock at Goliath, like I'm ready to fight. What's up? Like, so when you first heard that, you saw the impact it was having on the culture. What was your feeling? Um, well, at that point in time, I didn't even, um, I didn't have a song out yet. Okay. Um, I was with Biz, just touring with Biz, um, you know, coming out during his set, but I didn't have a song out yet. And me and KRS was cool. Like, like KRS always showed me and Biz love. Like, you know, you, you didn't, you didn't know him before the record came out before his, his, before the, uh, the South Bronx record came out. No. Well, I mean, um, I, I, I may have, but not like where we're kicking it, you know, because, um, you know, he hung at the quarters and I hung at the quarters all the time. So, we, you know, our paths probably crossed, but I just, you know, you know, we just never really, you know, connected. Latin quarters. But um, we got cool after um, South Bronx came out because him and Biz was doing a lot of shows together. You Did know? you not feel like it was dissing your crew? Um. Well, in all honesty, I felt like it was dissing Shan, and me and Shan didn't have a friendly relationship at the time. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you didn't. So you didn't. You didn't feel like it was against your team because you weren't. Because like MC Shan is, he's doing his own thing. Well, I mean, um, me and Shan didn't have a good relationship. You know, I mean, I mean, like you know, like we didn't get along at all. You know, so. Um, when um when when Chris went at him, you know, uh, it didn't bother me. You know, it didn't affect me any. You know, I mean, it was one of them type of things where, like, you know, like, damn, this is like that dream battle. This is that dream battle right here, me and KRS. But um, you know, I, I mean, at that point in time, I just felt like, you know, um, I I I I couldn't do it. In, in support of um, Shan because, you know, of the things that, you know, I mean, because of the way our relationship, rock, how rocky our relationship was at that point. I mean, we cool as a fan now, right. you know, we know, I, 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 and I love, I love Shan, but, you know, it was funky back then, you know, real funky. 
For more from me and Kane, join us over at patreon.com slash Toray Show. Thanks so much to Kane for a great interview, and thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Marcus Harkis, Noel Sam Montes, Jason Reynolds, Gerville Calais, Michelle Brendacox, Kathy F., Dr. Keena Murphy, Earl Dorsey, Theotokos, and Noma. Toure Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Toure and on Instagram at Toure Show and on Patreon at patreon.com slash Toure Show. And check out my newsletter, Black Minds Matter. Go to blackmindsmatter.substack.com. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. <laughs>